Hello and welcome to Soul Trades Podcast, episode number 94. This is Schmitty. I'm Stoner. We don't have Stark, and I'm Zook. We come to you, um, live, kind of. Sort of-ish. The three of us are. We are all in place, because we're actually uh, creating a special uh, treat for you, our listeners. Uh, first, let's get uh, let's get to our sponsors before we can describe everything else. First off, Squarespace.com. And I want to actually uh, relay a true story to you, uh, something that's actually happened to, I think, all of us, but this particular one was Schmitty. Uh, he and his family were here for a New Year's celebration when he gets a call from his dad. What are you doing? Oh, I'm at a party. Great. I have tech support. I'll make it fast. The problem is, is that once... You make a site for your friends or your family, your tech support forever. Yeah. Yeah. Never fun. Well, what was, what would be awesome is that he actually moved his dad off onto Squarespace.com. They offer 24-hour support. They have the best sites you can make around. Their template builder, the Live Engine, is the best thing we have ever seen in the industry. They are wonderful. Their customer support is fast, helpful, and they can make sites better than, frankly, you want to make them. You don't want to spend that much time helping them. <laughs> Go over to squarespace.com slash SD for stolen droids or use the promo code SD1 to get 10% off their already awesome uh, prices. Go over there now. You can have your site up and running in minutes and it, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So um, we have a special treat for you guys. Uh, we're all together because what we want to do is build you a new site. So we're going to be doing that here soon. And uh, hopefully it goes well. Yeah, hopefully by the time you're listening to it, you're actually checking out the new site. We're also all together because for the first time, we are, we've are we been hit with a winter storm. Uh, winter storm Gandalf. It's the first storm I've ever lived through with an actual name. <laughs> I didn't know that it was named Gandalf. I thought it was just... Yeah, the, the Weather Channel has started naming their winter storms. Um, I think Europe has been doing it for a while now. But uh, th- just this year, the 2012-2013 season, they've started naming their winter storms. Started with Athena, I think, and I, I think our, the one that happened on Christmas Eve was Draco, I think, or Euclid, one of those two. Um, so yeah, they started naming them, and it increases awareness and helps us track them. Personally. Well, that explains why I got hobbits in my backyard now. <laughs> <laughs> the storm cannot pass. Uh, <laughs> but so when we tried to record on our normal Thursday night, Skype just was having none of it. It's horrible. So we uh, we had to move off, and uh, we're doing it in person now, which is also why Stark couldn't couldn't join us. Uh, but into our headlines, it's like everyone wanted to make up for not having headlines for that long <laughs> by giving us tons of headlines now. So um, first off, remember how a few weeks ago we talked about how Google was cutting access to Gmail and whatnot for anyone who wasn't on an Android. Yeah, they've yeah. gone one step further now. Um, for a while there, if you were on Windows Phone seven or eight and try to access Google Maps, it just redirected you back to Google. Google said, "Well, that's because it's built on WebKit, and Windows Phone eight does not have a WebKit browser, so it actually never worked. You're just mistaken. It actually never worked." Which sounds like an Apple response. That, that, that does. It's designed that way. Yeah, you're holding it wrong. If it was working before, it was a flaw. <laughs> well, so many people have come out and said, no, no, it was working. We know it was working. Uh, please bring it back. To which they then changed their tune. Yes, you're right. It, it was working. That's our fault. We're sorry about that. We're working on it again. You see, it was just we were testing it. We're trying to fix it and make it better. 
here's an idea. Make it better by not not taking it away in the first place. <laughs> what a novel idea. You know, and interestingly, while we were down in Vegas for the uh, for the New Media Expo, Zodar and I had an interesting little experience with his Google Maps anyway. <laughs> <laughs> My well, I've 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 picked up a Galaxy S3 before we went down to Vegas and so I, it's got Jelly Bean. I was enjoying the full features of Google Now, which has the navigation built in. And so we kept telling it, you know, find us a McDonald's. Cause it's surprisingly hard to find somewhere to eat in Vegas if you're not in a casino. Um, but as I'd like tell it, find us a breakfast place, and it would give us a McDonald's, and it would take us to a storage facility. Um <laughs> It, 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 we we kept expecting to be caught in the crossfire of storage wars or something. Um, we uh, we asked it to take us to the um, to the Gold and Silver Pawn Shop where they where they film uh, Pawn Stars for History Channel, and it told us to head back to Salt Lake City. Yes, twice. Yes, and when we finally said no, no, we know better, and we just started driving north on Las Vegas Boulevard. I believe the instructions were turn right onto, and I don't remember the street name. Turn right again. Turn right again. <laughs> Turn right onto Las Vegas Boulevard. <laughs> it literally took us around in a circle. So yeah, Google's got a little bit of work to do on their navigation there. I was just kind of surprised because it's like, you know, I I, I use a Windows phone and I was using Nokia Maps and our Nokia Maps never let us down. No, they were pretty good. And the Google Maps failed every time. And I I kind of run on that assumption that well, if it works on Nokia, Google's must be better. I've used Google Maps. Google Maps are yeah, good. Yeah. Safe assumption. It, this was the first time that was not the case. <laughs> I did yeah. notice, though, last time I was in Vegas, uh, all of the, at least the mall portions of all the casinos, were mapped into Google Maps. And you could get turn-by-turn directions in the malls themselves. Just wow. Not, just not outside. Just not outside. <laughs> outside on the streets, you're in trouble. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's hard to find a place to eat there, though. I mean, yeah. we were hungry. So, so Google <laughs> is... Yeah, we were... Google is fixing it, so it should be working again for Windows Phone 8. But honestly, if you have Windows Phone 8, don't use it anyway. Nokia Maps and Bing Maps are actually better on that device. And I know, now that I've said that, I'm going to be struck down by lightning. <laughs> um, we'd also like to bring up that, uh, and this came out right before CES, but Google has partnered with Hyundai and Kia Motors. They're going to be integrating that <laughs> that buggy map system we just got <laughs> <laughs> But it's okay, because you won't be in a Windows phone, you'll be in a Hyundai. Yes. <laughs> good good luck, Hyundai owners. So if you notice a lot of Hyundai and Kia cars all driving in circles around the, the Las Vegas Strip, you know what they have. But Google Maps <laughs> and Places will be integrated into the cars now, which I find an interesting... At first I was like, well, why wouldn't they do that to American manufacturers? It's an American company, right? Well, because all the American manufacturers have put money into their own navigation systems. Yeah, we've got Ford has their own... Um uh, Navigator, Lincoln Navigator has their own. Well, Link, Lincoln, Lincoln, Mercury, and Ford are all one company, and they all use okay. Ford Sync, and I think Bing Maps. Uh, Chevy has their own proprietary system. Um, What's it called? Fusion? Or no, that's my my Chevy, my my Nav, something. In fact, they actually just released the second version of it and got an award for it at CES, so I assume it's good. I guess you would hope. You, you guys at home can't hear, but I'm actually shrugging, which is something I normally can't do on the <laughs> over Skype to everyone. Looks like it's called Indash. Indash. So, um, thanks Google. I guess Hyundai and Kia were late to the party, so Google is 
bundling them up. That actually makes a lot of sense from Google's point point of view and from theirs as well, because like you said, they are late to the party. So let's get on something that's that's already established. And yeah. Um, and finally, in Google News, they have decided to drop their pending litigation against Microsoft. Uh, we reported on this oh, it was a while ago. It seems like I actually forgot this was even an issue. Three or four months ago, yeah. Yeah, but they uh, they had put out a lawsuit against Microsoft for certain types of video compression. Microsoft only uses this video compression in one place, and that would be the Xbox. If this had gone through, they would have had to stop sales of Xbox to the U.S., which is a problem because the Xbox is... The number one console in the U.S.? Yeah, well, arguably, it's our console. Yeah. You know, Nintendo and Sony can have Japan. Xbox reigns supreme in the U.S. So, that would have sucked. In not-so-sucky news, (laughs) weird news, um, a company has started taking applications for people who want to move to Mars. I'm in on it. Sure. <laughs> Don't we need to get a, a manned flight to Mars before we can start living well, there? Well, curiosity though? isn't considered human? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know. Well, the idea is, is that they're going to try to establish a permanent human settlement on Mars in 2023. If you are selected to be part of the team, and they're going to have like four or five teams going here, um, you'll be trained for eight years, and then you'll be sent off. And part of the application process is, um, by the way, do you have any reason to stay behind? Because it's not likely you're going to return. <laughs> it's a one-way trail. Well, you know, I, I think it kind of makes sen- more sense, though, to like start smaller, like the moon, like they've been telling us for the last however many yeah. years. I, I think the biggest problem with that is the, the moon is a lot less habitable. Um, and, and the biggest problem with living on Mars is that it's easy to get people there. It's a lot less easy to get them back, um, but the good thing is, is Mars does have a lot of resources for them to be able to build the fuels to get back. But it will still be another couple decades before we see that happening. So, getting people to Mars a lot easier than getting them back. You guys ever see that episode of the Twilight Zone where there's the guy there on the planet by himself, and they keep dropping supplies like every six months they have a rocket come and they bring him new books and whatnot and they bring in this android woman or something i mean i forgot just, about that one <laughs> yeah that that's kind of what i'm thinking of here see and i keep thinking of uh the moon the movie the moon the moon yeah yeah where they they drop off the supplies supplies and, and it's clones yeah yeah and every time uh every time he's supposed to be retired and return home they just kill the clone it's an version of him <laughs> Spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen that. <laughs> Crap. I was going to watch that tonight. Here's, here's another spoiler. It happens on the moon. <laughs> so if you want to go to Mars, um, you just have to have nothing to live for Delicious. here back on Earth. Uh, a warning about that, though. Uh, a Russian space agency, not the Russian space agency, but some uh, Rus- Russian researchers have been doing a test to see what it would be like to be an astronaut going to, the Mar- going to Mars and back. They have locked a team of astronauts into a quote-unquote command capsule. It's a very wood-grained one. Uh, for as much time as it would take to make a round trip to Mars and back. And they found that four trained astronauts who were very, very uh, regimented, they were disciplined, they were trained, everything was great, uh, have turned into basically a frat house. <laughs> um, one of them developed a 25-hour day 
on his own, and he had some psychotic episodes. Uh, the other guys just kind of sleep a lot now, and they sit around and play Guitar Hero. Sounds like a bachelor pad, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and there's this great picture of them. They're all in their boxers. They're just sitting there watching TV because that's all there is to do. Uh, maybe ma- mankind isn't meant for space. What, what's the over under on somebody killing somebody else? <laughs> I think odds are good. Let's see, there's four people there, so three to one. <laughs> How Only many one days? Has to come, out, come out of live, right? 180 days. That's that's my guess. Yeah, so it's a 17 month round trip. So we're looking almost a year and a half locked into this, into this room, and they're Russian, so. They're gonna break. It's they, no wonder they all the will. sci-fi movies show people going to cryostasis and stuff because they knew that they couldn't last seventeen months. <laughs> and, and they did this before they knew that the Guitar Hero would even be an option. <laughs> so there is a uh, uh, th- that would suck. Yeah, that that would it, it makes me think of Big Bang Theory where they go to the North Pole and mm-hmm. Wallowitz is there. He's just making a crossbow. <laughs> yeah, he's going to kill Sheldon. There, there's, there's no time. Get me an icicle. <laughs> okay. Uh, Iran. And we actually have started to see the effects of this. Um, Iran has started to strike back at the U.S. and cyberspace. You, you remember over the past year, we've hit them with Stuxnet. We've shut down their reactors. We hit them with Flame. We hit them with another one. I forget the name of it. That was actually taking down their currency. It was deleting the currency from the banks. And before anyone says otherwise, yeah, we're pretty sure it was us. <laughs> well, they've struck back, and they've started hitting our banks. Uh, distributed denial of service attacks, um, actually hacking in, and just yesterday, uh, I put this up on the site, uh, and we also tweeted it out, but just yesterday, the Department of Homeland Security put out a warning saying to disable or uninstall Java from your computer because they've uncovered a new vulnerability that would allow people to execute malicious code on your computer, and they can't figure out how to fix it. Yeah, specifically Java 7. Yeah, if you have Java 6, you're okay. And if you don't have Java 6, you can follow the instructions at StolenDroids.com to uh, get it installed. Um, what's interesting, what they're not saying is, is how they found this. They say a group of hackers found it and brought it up, but if they did, I would imagine someone else has figured it out and weaponized it first. Yeah, it's not something to be trifled with. If, if anything, I mean, this, these can, these attacks can come through ads or, I mean, no site is, is safe with this vulnerability. If someone had this particular code installed, they could put it up into the header of their website. The Java would load before you even knew you were at a website. Before the rest of the site even loaded, it could execute and actually add you to a zombie botnet before you even knew anything was happening. Yeah. So it is it is that scary, um, which is why <laughs> when the Department of Homeland Security tells us to do something, I actually take notice. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is a first. <laughs> yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. Into happy news. Hulu. Yay, Hulu. Yeah, interesting news. <laughs> Hulu is getting some more shows. I don't know if this is really headline-worthy. We knew they were. I, I guess I'm just kind of happy that they're actually 
holding to that promise that they would get new shows. Not just new shows, but original and exclusive content. So, Well, you know, I, f- I find Hulu very interesting because I used, to ha- I used to love Hulu. I would watch them every day. Uh, and then I changed jobs and I didn't have time for it anymore. And I've never really regretted not watching Hulu anymore. I've never really gone back. I, I've gone and I've tried to check stuff out, and I just haven't been impressed with the content, and so I, I stick with Netflix. But I find Hulu very interesting because a lot of the ads they put out now are, and, and keep in mind, I realize that I am one of the early adopters, maybe not as early adopter as Schmitty, but I still adopt things very quickly and and make technology work for me. And have you seen all the new Hulu ads that are out there? Hulu will change the way you watch TV. <laughs> I can now watch a show whenever I want. I can pause it halfway through and resume it whenever I want. It's like, yes, I've had that for seven years. It's called Windows Media Center. <laughs> Where have you been? I, I just I I've always found Hulu to be very odd that way. Yeah, it d- duplicates a lot of things I already do. It's it's revolutionary for for those who don't have the means to to do that on their own, if or or for those who have been living under a rock for the last seven years. That's true. It's very easy for for the the common user to just open up Hulu dot com and start playing something. <laughs> yes, if you still have a Windows XP machine. Yeah, Hulu's great for you. <laughs> Sorry, I think I just burned some of our audience. <laughs> <laughs> and one of yeah. the hosts. <laughs> Who's not here to defend himself? Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Um, scientists have run a uh, run an actual study now on piracy. Okay. Uh, a university uh, scientists at a university have run metrics against taking things down, taking sites down, shutting down different uh, link sharing operations or BitTorrents. And I found that, uh, I forget how long here, how long it was actually done, but it was over a great amount of time that no about of shutting down sites or trying to go after torrents ever stopped the flow of piracy. Which you may think sounds kind of familiar, and maybe it's because we and I think everyone else online has been trying to tell them that for years. <laughs> yeah, if someone wants to pirate, they're going to pirate. doesn't matter what blocks you put in the way, they're going to find a way around it. Well, and a lot of times the reason that things are being pirated is because that's the only way to acquire them. Yep. Yeah. Well, and part of the issue I find, too, is that let, let's put it this way. I love the band Bare Naked Ladies. Love them, love them, love them. Um, and, you know, it'd be really easy to go out and pirate one of their albums, because it, it's pretty... Well, let's face it, it's very easy to do. They had an album called um, Everyone for Everything, or Everything for Everyone. Everything didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they released it in two different ways. They released, like, a $10 CD, which was the album and CD. Uh, and for $20, you got the CD. You also had a DVD that had the entire album mastered again in 5.1 surround. You had the entire album in acoustic. Then you had the entire album performed by the band, video, in studio, like an actual show plus hidden bonus features, extras, two songs that got cut from the album. It's like you got so much extra on there that why would you pirate it when you could get so much for not that much money? Yeah. So it's like it's by making things more accessible will you actually start to kill piracy. Well, you know, and Weird Al does that too. He'll throw he'll throw videos and all sorts of stuff, documentaries onto his 
his CDs as well. And so, you know, you're not just getting the music that you can get for anywhere. You can get it off the radio. But you're getting actual content that is of value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, so, yay, obvious truths are still obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, a Chinese man, and they don't really specify if a man in China, but uh, a Chinese man has been found to be stealing and selling military software. Some software upwards around a million dollars. He's selling it for between twenty and a hundred dollars on the black market. You guys remember when all those drones keep getting hijacked? <laughs> Makes you wonder if drone control software is on that. That I wonder. Yeah. Wouldn't it be surprising, actually. So, for the cost of a bare naked lady CD and DVD combo pack, you too can be the owner <laughs> of a military intelligence spy drone. And really, in this day and age, who doesn't need one? Think about the cojones on this guy. I mean, it's one thing to be stealing, like, Hurt Locker or whatnot off of a bit yeah. site. It's quite another. <laughs> the Pentagon's control software. Okay, why not? I'll get that and a, copo of, a copy of Photoshop. And Is that up on the Pirate Bay by chance? I wouldn't dare <laughs> look. No. You'll be put on the NSA watch list just for Googling it. <laughs> so someone's messing with our show notes. Uh, Rim, who we met, actually, while at the New Media Expo. That was hilarious. That was an experience. Uh, experience and a half. Um, has some good news from backers. It turns out Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile have already thrown their hat into the ring to carry BlackBerry 10 phones. I find this interesting that Sprint has not. Yeah. Because Sprint is typically known as the BlackBerry carrier. For a while they were, yeah. Well, who do they carry now? Android and iPhone. And RIM. They still carry the old Blackberries like crazy. All the curves? And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it just seems very odd to me that they're not doing this. So it, it, has it been previously announced? Or maybe they're late takers. I, I don't know. I think Sprint was the last one other than T-Mobile to pledge to an iPhone. I get the feeling that whoever's running Sprint now is really, really hands-off on which phones are coming out and which ones people want. Well, they were... They were pretty. Um, they it was expensive for them to get the iPhone. They paid a pretty penny for that, and so well, isn't that because they were still uh, iPhone was still exclusive to AT and T at that point? Um, it may have been Verizon may have had it. I don't I don't recall, but yeah, um, Verizon had it by that point. But maybe they're looking and they're seeing the way the winds are blowing and thinking, rim's done. Or maybe they're just uh, behind on their Twitter feed. I particularly like, because I'm, I'm reading this from ZDNet, and this is a quote. Quote, while Verizon's chief executive, Lowell McAdams, told Reuters news agency, we're hopeful it's going to be a good device, and hedged on the side of caution, he said that Verizon will carry the new BlackBerry 10 platform. End quote. I love the fact that we're going to carry it, and the best thing the CEO can say is, <laughs> we're, hopeful. we're hopeful it's going to be a good device. <laughs> well, As opposed we- to... We saw one down in Vegas. We, we, we got to go hands-on and play with one. Um, we, there was a BlackBerry booth there with a whole bunch of developers and programmers and some salespeople, and they pledged that they could make us an app in 10 minutes. Now, if you remember, I made an app, and it took me two days. Zoner tried to make an app, and it took him a few weeks. And, and it never, never worked. And it never worked. These guys were using Nippet 
to make a mobile app. They weren't actually making it. They were using Mipit. But so we're starting to play with it, and I'm like, you know, can we see how this would work on BlackBerry 10? I, I happened to notice that they had boxes around the place. They weren't saying so, but oh yeah, I have an app, I have a device. You wanna you you, you wanna you wanna see it? Yes, I would like to see it. I would like to play with it. He walks off, Zonner, and whispers, "You know the right questions to ask." So we get a uh, we get a BlackBerry 10 in our hand, a Dev Alpha device, and maybe it's just because I've used a phone in the last three years that I was underwhelmed compared to my previous <laughs> experiences. But it was there. There wasn't really anything revolutionary about it. I thought there there wasn't. Um, was it just because it was an Alpha device? Or that's very possible. It's very possible. But the operating system itself was just. It was an odd combination of gestures and swipes, and if you want this, you swipe in from the bottom, but not if you're in a certain app. Then a swipe from the bottom results in a completely different thing, and you swipe in from this side, but not if you're in this app, because that changes you over to your hubs. And odd. It, it was just <laughs> bizarre. In fact, we were offered to, they were offering to give us one if we uh, stuck around and after our app was made, enter a drawing. He's like, and the guy who helped us, who, by the way, was using the Galaxy S3, um, <laughs> told us that the first 150 developers would get... Well, no, sorry. That the first 1,500 developers would be entered into the drawing to win one of 150 devices. So then he turns to us and says, but don't worry, 150 people haven't even shown up here at our booth yet. That's not something you want to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. And then it's awesome, though, too, because we the, went back to get the devices, and he said, oh, well, you need to talk to these ladies. But they were out partying all night. We don't know where they are. They, they, he literally said that the guy says, sorry, the reps you need to talk to to get this device, we have no clue where they are. They aren't answering their phones. Uh, they went out partying last night. We don't even know if they're still alive. So my my money's you don't want on. To tell us that either. They're gonna wake up. They probably woke up with a tiger in their bathroom. That's my guess. It, well, that, that booth was full of so much fail, and then Mr. Galaxy S3 guy went off and got lunch while he's still sitting there talking to us. Yeah, he he was very cool though. He was very cool, but I don't think he actually worked for Rim. He, there's no way that guy worked for Rim. Rep, maybe. Yeah, and, and obviously, um, obviously they didn't know where we were from. All you have to do is Google our name and RIM and see everything that happens. <laughs> yes, we are responsible single-handedly for the downfall of that company. Okay. Allegedly. Moving on. Um, Nokia may be uh, redirecting your data. And I don't know if the guys have ever seen this in action, because I have a Nokia. I'll pull it up right now. Nokia has a little app called Nokia Express. And, uh, and here it is. I'm pulling it up right now for them to see. Basically, what it does is it takes your browsing habits and it routes it through Nokia's servers, much like Opera does, much like mobile Opera. Oh, yeah. So it's taking it, and it creates almost an online magazine version of whatever it is you're looking at. But it does it through their servers, so it proxies it and runs it through much less data. That's interesting. And, I, and it could possibly cause uh, some security concerns. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that all HTTPS, that is the secure stuff, is being routed through there as well, but it's being decrypted before be being given back to your phone. 
Mobile Opera does not do that. It just gives it to you straight. Yeah, that might raise some eyebrows. I, uh, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> now, interestingly, I'm trying to show the guys this in action, and it has stopped working. So I wonder if they have shut down the service in the meantime while trying to fix this. Interesting. That would actually be a smart thing to do. Here's the key, though. I know a lot of people are worried about going over on their data plans, and it's a valid concern. It can be really expensive. Maybe browsing your secure networks is not a good thing to do over a Nokia-owned proxy. I'm just saying. I mean, you can't really always control when you're going to do it, but... Well, you know, browsing secure data like that is generally, in my mind, discouraged over a mobile platform just because there's yeah. so many th so many devices and so many ways that you can get data stolen. Yeah, and even sometimes even discouraged over a Wi-Fi network if, it, if it's not yours. If it's not yours, yeah. yeah. So. Well, okay yeah. there. Obvious truths are still obvious, yay. <laughs> okay, and finally, oh, this isn't final actually, I have one more to add in here, but Anonymous wants the White House to recognize distributed denial of service attacks as an allowed form of protest. Now, we should specify here first what an allowed form of protest is. It's a government-sanctioned form of protest. So, firebombing a neighborhood, not sanctioned. not sanctioned. Burning a flag, actually sanctioned. You know, your, your constitutional rights actually protect that. Um, assembling, uh, so long as there isn't a safety issue and you're not on private land, you can assemble. Distributed denial of service attacks. I don't know if that qualifies. I don't know. That <laughs> you're getting into. It, we're getting into a gray area because uh, a DDoS can be. Uh, it, it could. It could be so. Such a low attack that it doesn't affect anything. But then it can be as bad as taking down servers. And or and we're talking. You know, it, we can take down Amazon servers. You can take down. Well, isn't that the whole point, though? Is to interrupt well, and disrupt and take down? Here's the yeah, problem. More what like a DDoS a actually is, and Anonymous is great at this, is it gets so many, what's called a botnet, and it's just a whole network of computers that may not even know they're, be, they're part of this network, and they all try and hit a site at once. They all try and smash it with as much ping data as possible, and they'll increase the packet size to like 5 megs. And servers can't handle that. They can't handle that much data being shoved out at once, or trying to accept it at once, and they shut down. Mm -hmm. The issue is, is that a lot of hosts don't put one server for one website. One website might sit on a server with 20 other sites. And so while you may be trying to protest, um, I don't know, uh, beach oil drillers and puppykillers.com, you know, that sounds like a good place to, to <laughs> protest. You might be trying to protest them, but your attack has managed to take down everyone else on the server. There's a lot of collateral damage there. Right. But so, is that just the is that just the casualties of war there? I mean, is that? I don't know. I don't know if this counts or not. It'd be, I'd be actually really interested to see what uh, our listeners think. Feedback at StolenDroids.com, and and what are your thoughts on this? Because personally, I'm against it, but I could also see you know with the right argument why this would be a valid form of protest. Yeah, I, th I think that there's too much collateral damage involved to make it uh, to make it approved or, or valid or whatnot. Is you know it, it 
and the financial ramifications can be pretty substantial as well if you take down a site like Amazon. I mean, that it's too it's too much. I think. Yeah, remember if you take down Amazon service, you're also taking down Netflix. <laughs> That's right. And if you do it on Christmas Eve, Netflix will throw Amazon under the bus. You'll have a match, Mitty. The last headline I want to add here, and I, I haven't added to the show notes or whatnot, but I think it's hilarious. Um, a White House petition was started a while ago, very tongue-in-cheek. They wanted the White House to create a Death Star. They wanted to they wanted the U.S. to mass resources and funds to begin construction of a fully functional Death Star. The White House responded. This is the official White House response, and I will read this word for word. Quote, this isn't the petition response you're looking for. <laughs> the administration shares your desire for job creation and a strong national defense, but a Death Star isn't on the horizon. Here are a few reasons. The construction of a Death Star has been established to cost more than, what is that, hundreds, thousands, millions, billions, trillions, 850 quadrillion dollars. We're working hard to reduce the deficit, not expand it. The administration does not support blowing up planets. Why would we spend countless taxpayer dollars on a Death Star when a fundamental flaw can be exploited by a one-man starship? Think terrorist people. However, look carefully, and you'll notice there's something already floating in the sky. That's no moon. It's a, gig- it's a space station. Yes, we already have a giant football field-sized international space station in orbit around the Earth that's helping us learn how humans can live and thrive in space for long durations. The space station has six astronauts, American, Russian, and Canadian, living in it right now, conducting research, learning how to live and work in space over long periods of time, routinely welcoming visiting spacecraft, and repairing onboard garbage mashers, etc. Which I think is a nice nod. Uh, (laughs) That's hilarious. We also have two robot science labs, one wielding a laser, roving around Mars, looking at whether life ever existed on the red planet. Uh, And it goes on and on, and they're talking about how it's not just... You know, it, it, private companies can now go to space, so maybe not the government can do this. But uh, even though we don't have anything that can do a Kessel Run, or, or <laughs> it goes on and on and on, and it's quite funny to know that the White House even responded to this at all. It finishes with, if you do pursue a career in science, technology, engineering, or math-related field, the force will be with us. Remember, the Death Star's power to destroy a planet or even a whole star system is in, in sorry insignificant next to the power of the force. So kudos to the PR rep at the White House who actually took the time to write out this huge response. Yeah, it's pretty entertaining. Uh, Paul Shawcross. I don't know enough about the White House to know who that is, but... Yeah. You can give President Obama crap all you want, but he has a pretty geeky staff. Yeah, he's the chief of science and space branch, so... I mean, you would expect him... You, I, I expect no less from him with that job title. Okay, um, into our other news. But before we go in, shout out to our other sponsors. Uh, we want to uh, take a brief moment. TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, um, Stitcher.com, and our friends OpenBookAudio.com. If you want the best in audiobooks, check out Open Audio, Audiobook. Wow, I'm really sucking it up now. But you can check out OpenAudio.com. Uh, they will help you record your own if you're an aspiring writer for very affordable fees. They have top-notch professionality. Uh, they are your best source for audiobooks, so check them out today. 
Hopefully they don't notice that I just slaughtered their sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, you kind of went off the tra- off, off the rails there and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> you did well, though. I, I always thought you had like a teleprompter for all these <laughs> advertisements. You're going off the cuff. That's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, most people don't realize I actually just make these up on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear that. <laughs> okay, into our talking point this week. Uh, this week was CES. In fact, Zahner and I barely missed it while we were down in... Uh, Vegas, we probably could have gone there, except for the fact it was super expensive, and we didn't want to do that. And there were a lot of people there, too. Traffic going to the convention center was pretty brutal. Pretty crazy, yeah. Uh, first up, uh, announcement from T-Mobile. T-Mobile is going to be un- offering unlimited 4G to their prepay and no-contract customers. That sounds awesome, except for the fact that I'm on T-Mobile's 4G. It's not that awesome. <laughs> Well, and, and prepay and no contract customers do pay a lot more for the hardware, um, and I think you do pay uh, a lot more for like text messages and things like that. So it's it's a give or take. Yeah, so it's not exactly as great an offer as you want. I don't know why they keep pounding this no contract trail. I don't know how well this is going to work. For uh, isn't it for people who have like bad credit? You know, like the dude, the the hood slinging. Slinging drugs on the corner, and isn't that who their target I market is? Slinging a hood. <laughs> slinging. <laughs> that's slinging. Is that, I thought it was gas slinging. Was it? Yeah, it was gun slinging, drug selling. No, no, no it's hood slinging. No, the hood. <laughs> slinging. That, that's like We're a not term G. from the fifties, man, for like a hoodlum. <laughs> Damn, I'm old. <laughs> You guys can't we're, tell at we're not home, gangsters. We're all staring at Zoner, just waiting for his bluff to, to crack. <laughs> you oh. people suck. That's all I have to say. You Zoner's the least gangster of all of us. <laughs> I at least, have, at least have some ethnicity behind me. Um, Nvidia announced they're making their own game console. This one really surprised me. It looks like an Xbox Xbox controller with a screen. It has a Tegra 4 built into it, and it has 4K resolution on the screen. It can output to a larger screen if you want, and it runs its own version of Jelly Bean. It can also stream to and from the PC. Yeah. Your PC, so. Um, I don't know. This, to me, I mean, it looks really impressive. We saw some video. They were playing Call of Duty on it, and uh, it looked really, really smooth. But it almost looks like it's a solution to a problem that hasn't been invented yet. Look, here's this awesome gamepad you can do, use to play on a four-inch screen just like your tablet or your phone or anything else. It can even play it on a larger screen, just like the other game console you already own. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not revolutionary, but it's a new product for people to gawk over, and uh, I guess we'll just we'll just have to see how it takes off. Yeah. I don't know. What, what are we thinking? What are the chances are of it ever actually seeing production? I, th- I think it may see production, but I don't think that there's a huge demand for it. I mean, we've we got PSP, we got, what is it, the Vita, the Vita, the Vita yeah. we got the Nintendo DS, I mean, tablets, there's just... Yeah, tablets themselves have gotten really good into the games, game scenario, uh, like first-person sh- shooters and driving games even on tablets have, have gotten really good, and so I really don't think there's need for more gaming consoles out there like this, but who knows, there might be a niche market for it. Yeah, if they can succeed, more power to them. I, I think it was probably the coolest thing that came out of CES. I hope it's not another, like, Nokia Engage scenario. Oh, yeah, that was bad. Well, they have Android backing them, though, so that's, yeah, that's, that's true. positive. However, 
I don't really want to play Where's the My Water on 4K resolution on a $300 game console. I I think their saving grace will be the fact that you can stream to a larger screen. Um, If a game is already installed on your computer, you can stream it to your device, uh, which locks up two devices at the same time. But um, I I don't know. I think that will be their saving grace. That's a good point. Uh, Also, that was announced, uh, and this one's kind of cool, going back to the whole Google on Hyundai and Kia, Ford has announced that they're going to open up their development kit so anyone can write apps for their mobile sync package. If you're not familiar, Ford has developed the Sync, which is the onboard navigation, entertainment, uh, Bluetooth system. It's actually, I, I personally believe, one of the best ones in, in cars today. Um, imagine Siri, only instead of being on the phone, it's on your car. Yeah. And the now they're opening up so anyone can write an app for it. Yeah. How many fart soundboards are we going to see in the first week? Probably. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, this Your is revolutionary because up until now it's been really closed, and if you have Ford Sync on your on your car, you're stuck with Ford Sync. There's nothing really else you can add to it. But this will add a lot more functionality, uh, and I, I think it's just a battle with Google. <laughs> so haven't they started getting different apps like iHeartRadio and things like that for and Pandora for that? So I mean, it's. I, it's been growing. This this is the next logical step. I think it's really cool. And I can't wait for that fart soundboard. <laughs> Instead of honking. <laughs> farting your people. car sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> it's impossible. Okay, so Asus has announced the Cube, spelled ever so originally as Q-U-B-E. I've... Is there some strange spelling dictionary that technology companies consult? <laughs> Letters or numbers, man. I, th- I think C-U-B-E is already trademarked by uh, Nissan, so they couldn't use that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just waiting for Cube to be spelled with a K. That's next. Uh, if this sounds familiar, there's a reason why. But it will stream Google TV, offer motion and voice control, uh, and allow you access to your Google Play Store. Hmm. Um... If it were round, it would be called the Nexus Q. It would also be called a failure. Hmm. I, I don't no, know. no, that wasn't well, a failure. That was just production delayed to implement more of the features that we want. Right, right. right. Well, the Nexus Q didn't have Google TV on it. It was it was a watered-down version of, what was it, a- Android ICS made to look like Google TV. This is actually a full-blown Google TV operating system, which to me seems odd because I, I still don't know why Google TV is considered a separate operating system. They should just put Jelly Bean on a Google TV. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what Asus was trying to hit with this because it seems like it is squarely targeted at a niche environment that's already drying up. And just because you're accessing... I have news for you. I have an Xbox Connect, and you know how often we use it for motion control of the console? Never. You look like an idiot waving at your console trying to get it to move to the next menu. The kids don't even like it. Well, plus you've got to take your pants off for it to work. So. <laughs> well, that's just me. I'm special that way. Yeah, and if you don't have perfect lighting conditions, it's 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 worse. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't know why you would want... I mean, maybe voice control kind of makes sense. But a lot of these seem to assume that you are the only person in your living room watching TV. I have seen some motion control devices that are... that. They've gotten a lot better with resolution and tracking, so I think motion control may be starting to come back. Uh, really? 
Yeah. So do you think we're ever going to get to the minority report, wave your hands in the air, all I mean, that? Not for another couple of years, but... You know, people keep using the minority report reference. I would like to point out, and this is having never seen it, Tom Cruise wasn't using the minority report interface from 10 feet away on the TV. No, it was close to touch. So it looks cool when it's on a screen right in front of you. You look like an idiot when it's across the room, and you look like someone who's... Recognized you at the mall, but, you, but it's being avoided. Yeah. <laughs> no TV. I'm over here. There, there was a device TV. at CES. I don't know if we put it in the show notes, but there there was a device, and I want to say it was um, Samsung. I can't remember, but they have integrated um, eye tracking and motion control, so you could you could be looking at the screen, and it's highlighting the things you're looking at, and then you use motion control or your voice to tell it to play that that item you're looking at, the thumbnail you're currently highlighting with your eye. That's really cool technology, and from what I've heard, it works pretty well. I don't know if we'd ever see that in production. Well, you know, Samsung already has something like that on their S3 phones, their Galaxy S3 phones, where you can enable it, and as long as you are looking at the screen and your eyes are moving, your screen will not time out and turn off. I like that. that. I wish my Nexus 7 had that. (laughs) Don't they also use it for, like, face recognition, too? I don't know. I haven't like played that much with it. I, I haven't had the time, honestly. But honestly, I, I don't know how much we're going to see this in... It assumes you're the only one using it. It assumes no one else is going to say anything. It assumes you have perfect lighting and a perfect living room condition. And it assumes you don't have, like, glaucoma or something. I don't know. Or, or like the guy we met at Stream TV whose eyes... We met someone there who his eyes were just switching back and forth like he was on meth or whatnot. This kind of technology is really fun, and it's cool that it works, but you see it in jet fighter pilots' heads-up displays, not at a 10-foot interface on a TV. My own thoughts, and watch, I'll have to crow one day. <laughs> and yeah, there, there are a lot of TVs that, that are coming out, supposedly coming out with gesture, voice, and, and, and then this eye-tracking stuff this year, and so we'll... Yeah... You might you might be eating crow, but we'll see. How are, how is this eye tracking stuff going to be implemented into Google Glass? Is the question we need to be asking ourselves. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, just a thought. Um, TrendNet, the networking company, uh, jumped on the uh, the ba- the new wireless standard bandwagon. They've released uh, some new USB dongles, some new chipsets, new routers. Uh, that sounds all very very boring if you're not into networking. But let me explain why this is cool. The new standard is called 802.11ac. That's not A, comma, C. It's AC. They've actually looped through. They're onto two-digit uh, naming conventions. It provides one gigabit over the air. So as fast as your computer can go wired, it's doing this wirelessly now. Uh, this is going to be awesome for homes that stream HD content to multiple computers. Um, I think we're getting to the point where we're going to start seeing... Uh, distributed computing and a home environment uh, and it's going to start knocking down wireless prices like crazy yeah I agree uh, are we going to start seeing data caps though imposed more, like hard data caps like we see with the cell phone companies are we going to start seeing broadband companies start to enforce that as a result well, no because uh, even, if, even if your internal network can run at 1.5 gigabytes wirelessly your connection to the outside world to the web, your WAN connection is still capped at, you know, 5, 8, 10, 50 megabits, whatever you, you pay for. It, 
this is only for inside the network. Yeah, but we're still. I, I'm talking like data, like data um, transferring amounts, like two gig limit, twelve gig limit. I don't think so. I I don't. It's not going to change people's habits online. It's just simply once. Let's say you download a video legally. That, Through ultraviolet. Yes, exactly. That awesome system that breaks your movies every chance it gets. Let's say you download a movie through Ultraviolet and you want to stream it from where you downloaded it on your media center to your tablet. All this is doing is allowing you to stream it at a higher bit rate from where you've already downloaded it. It doesn't matter if you downloaded it and you have a cap or if you don't have a cap on your ISP because that doesn't change. That's always the same. Yeah. This will enable people, people that want to have media streaming throughout their home from a home central server, it'll allow them to do that without worrying about wiring it up, you know, w- wiring their house with gigabit uh, Ethernet cables. That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, into mobile news, Samsung announced their new, uh, I don't know, how, I've never known how to pronounce this, their... Exynos. Exynos? Yeah. Names these things. Their Exynos is their mobile <laughs> processor. Um, it's always been pretty good. It's never been the top. You know, Snapdragon usually holds the top one, but the new Exynos 5 has an 8 core CPU. Prepare for that tablet you're holding to get a lot faster. Well, not just that. This will be in the Galaxy S4. Yeah, so. We are seeing technology. Expand rapidly in the mobile hand in the mobile area. Pretty soon, these tablets are going to become more powerful than my laptop. They're just going to still be limited in what you can do with them. Well, you know, I I I'm not sure if I told you guys this or not, but yeah, years so ago, you know, you have a Nexus Seven. <laughs> no, years ago, I had a computer engineering professor say, within five years, we're all going to be having computers in our pockets that are more powerful than the computers on our tables. And I never in a million years thought our phones would be those computers, but they're freaking, I mean, they're powerful. Well, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Schmidt actually has an old, what they used to call an ultra-mobile PC. It was a, a Sony... It's a Sony Vio UX. Yeah, the UX for Micro. Um, it micro hold, X, yeah. Yeah, it's a Micro X. It's a, it has a three-and-a-half-inch, four-inch screen that slides over a keyboard. And to me, when I heard things like that five years ago, I thought that was... That was the future. Yeah. Micro PCs with built-in screens and keyboards. and No, Zahner's right. It is the phone. The phone has become that microcomputer. Exactly. Yeah. And, and with this Exynos, that's just bringing it one step, close, one step closer to just being our main processing power. Unfortunately, I think the one thing that's going to hold it back will be the operating system. I don't mind Android. I still like Android, even though I use Windows Phone 8. I'm a big proponent of Windows 8 now. Android, which is what the Exynos runs, still can't compete with full-blown Windows for day-to-day apps. Do you think we'll start to see like 64-bit Android Android operating systems? I'd be happy with just x86. <laughs> so, I would just be happy with uh, with some interoperability there between the Windows ecosystem and the Android ecosystem. If they could do that, if they could put like a translating layer, which, hey, these processors get fast enough, you might be able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that'll be the only thing that really holds it back. <laughs> your desktop is running off of a virtual desktop that's being hosted by your phone. <laughs> I've seen weirder things. Okay, um, 
We're going to skip the next one. We'll get back to it here. Uh, the Yoda phone, spelled Y-O-T-A. This one is interesting. I've seen it come up in CES's in the past. It has a normal display on the front and e-ink on the back. Why would you do that? Well, because e-ink doesn't take any power. So you can use it for things like uh, as an e-reader or as just keeping update. Shopping list. I, I would use it for shopping list. I use, uh, whenever I go to the store, I always have my shopping list open on my phone, and it drains my battery because I keep the screen on through the entire shopping trip. And this would definitely help in that. Or if you use it for navigation, you know, you can keep your phone up and running and have the GPS and navigation running on the e-ink on the back. Navigation does not need to update as often as people think it does. Right. So this would help save a lot of power. Or if you simply wanted it, to, you know, um, lock screen style, where your count of emails and your weather and your time is just shown on the back of the phone. Very cool. I don't know if we're going to see it, because like I said, they've, they've shown this off for a couple of years in a row now, and we've seen no mention of it on the consumer space. You know, I kind of wonder why manufacturers don't do it just because. Because I, as a developer, I can't imagine that it's, too difficult to implement this and it, it it's an option that the customers don't have to use they could keep it off the entire time and they would never even know it's there um, and it's I believe it's very low cost to implement I don't know why more manufacturers don't implement it honestly it, it's possible it, it's definitely interesting technology um, I wish we could go into more of it but we're running low here on time uh, Netflix also showed off their some new features they want to do. Super HD, which I don't know how that's different than normal HD. But everyone's <laughs> it wears a cape. Is it, yes. <laughs> I, isn't it the Super HD? That's um, that's not the 4K, but it's it's pure 1080p streaming. Or I think up till now they've only done 720p. Um, that's not super. It's just it's, it's more HD. HD. So yeah, I wonder if they're changing the naming conventions. HD is 720, and Super HD is 1080. But the, uh, apparently this will only be through certain ISPs. It's, so fast uh, ones? Yeah, the fast ones. <laughs> Fiber? It's going to be doing 3D streaming, which, hey, what's the way to save a failing technology? Put it on Netflix, I guess. Mm-hmm. And family profiles, which I do think is pretty cool. I am excited very for excited family for family profiles. You know, I log into Netflix, and my top ten are Super Y and Curious <laughs> George and all this crap that I never watch. It, it has gotten better since now uh, most of the devices I have support the Just for Kids section on Netflix. So it has gotten better since that, but I would still like to have a different uh, instant queue than, than my wife. Yeah. So I'm excited for this. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just kind of excited in general. Going back to the uh, going back to the HD thing, and this is what we're going to have to end on for CES. The big thing of the year uh, last year it was uh, ultrabooks and tablets, convertible tablets, uh, because Windows 8 was just around the corner. This year it was 4K TVs. Oh my goodness, <laughs> and expensive expensive ones at that. Stupid expensive ones, ones you could never afford in your life. Uh, curved OLED 4K. Uh, we've talked about it briefly, but 4K resolution is the idea of four times the resolution of 1080. Yes, you are right. There is no content at that resolution. Yes, you are right. At that resolution, um, your eyes cannot distinguish that you're not seeing real life. Yeah, even even nose pressed to the screen, it still looks like you're looking out a window. It's amazing. And they've gone one step higher. There's now stupid high resolution of 8K, which is just beautiful. The problem is that there's no way to drive content that high yet. Yet. 
and that people are still struggling to catch up with the 1080. So most of CES was actually filled with these displays that you will not see in the consumer space this year. Uh, in fact, this was on our prediction show. That you'd start to see it, but you couldn't afford it. It'd be a display at that one electronic store I think no one goes to. One of the displays, it was a it was a 110 inch 4K display for three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so you know, if you want to buy a house or a TV, who's going to buy that though? I mean, really, you got to take out a thirty year mortgage to buy a TV? Carmel alone. Probably the same people. <laughs> probably the same people who wanted to buy that sixty five thousand dollar movie system, so they got movies mm-hmm. at the same time the theaters did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people who wouldn't actually use it but are hoping to impress chicks. And impress chicks it would, probably. Now you can watch The Notebook. It's super high def. Aren't you happy? (laughs) Sleepless in Seattle in 4K. It's still just as sleepless. Okay, um, into our favorites uh, this week. Um, if there's something we missed or something you wanted to hear more about, let us know. Feedback at stolendroids.com. Mine is that this is... There's been a lot of these different things going around uh, YouTube about people doing pranks to the drive-through windows at different restaurants. They'll sing them the order. They'll rap. Um, I think one guy did. Two guys did a folk song, and it was just hilarious. <laughs> this guy made a costume that looked like his seat, so he looked like the seat of the car. He'd do the order. He would drive up, and people freaked out because the seat because there's no one in the car the car just drove up on itself and they sit there and he had a he had a video camera a, a camcorder recording the entire experience at one point one girl so just freaked out and he's like i'm just a, i'm just a ghost just toss it in just toss it in toss it in okay thanks bye and he goes driving off but it's just kind of hilarious to watch people's universal reaction to this people who you think they can't be superstitious. There's no way they're this superstitious. There's no way they believe in ghosts to this degree. Freaking out of their minds. So it's uh, it's worth seeing. It's hilarious. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, my favorite this week is really kind of a stupid concept, um, but it's absolutely hilarious. It's it's uh, Darth Vader being hard of hearing. Somebody went through, and whenever somebody's speaking to Darth Vader in the Star Wars movies, and uh, he can't hear him, and then all of a sudden you hear what? <laughs> and I, no matter how many times I watch it, I can't help but laugh. It is just funny. So check it out. You got to think that everything in that helmet—I mean, it's like a Bluetooth headset directly into his ear. The battery in that headset ever died? <laughs> well, I know David Prowse walking into a wall because his, his head's up one day. Well, I, I know David Prowse who who wore the costume. Uh, actually had a tough time hearing while he was wearing it, so it makes perfect sense. Yeah. But what, my favorite part about it was that uh, in the comments someone said, stop giving Lucas ideas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we can give ideas to Disney. That's right. Okay, uh, my favorite of the week um, is hosted on Gigapan. I, I know I've um, shared a few things from Gigapan uh, this year. This one is the number pi visualized. This is really interesting. Um, they took pi, put it in base 4, so all the numbers are either 0, 1, 2, or 3, or, wait, 0, 1, 2, or 3, and each number is related to uh, one of the cardinal directions, up, down, left, or right. And so they started at 3, and they made this visualization of pi to 100 billion places. And it, it turns out looking like a star system from the EVE game, <laughs> but uh, it, 
and the reason why they use gigapads because you can zoom in on the on individual pixels, and it's really amazing um, to visualize this. I, I want to see it visualized in base eight and have you know diagonals even in it, but uh, that's for a different time. Maybe I'll try to do that. But uh, check it out; it's really awesome. All right. Well, that is our uh, show for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us for so long. Thank you for uh, nominating us for the podcast awards. We didn't win. But uh, it was just an honor to be nominated, and we know that it was from you, our listeners. We do appreciate that. Uh, we hope you like our new site. We want to hear what your thoughts are about it. Feedback at Until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day.